This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to A Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Lish, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. Let's not talk with some bullshit thing about what we did this weekend or the Warriors. Because like new people listening to this podcast, they hear that shit and they're probably like, this podcast is boring. We always save the best for the end or the middle. And we start off with lame shit. And that's just like the people who know us, the 10 listeners we have that like us, they probably know, okay, this is just the bullshit. But new people, how can we ever grow the podcast if like we always start out with the fucking Warriors? Speaking of which, the second we end this podcast, I'm headed to Game Three. So uh, let's get on with the let's get on with the stuff then. If you don't want to, if you yeah, what what would you like to talk about, List? So the first thing I want to talk about is how I fucked up with Miguel Cabrera. I literally dropped the dude this weekend after suffering through his worthless performance for two months, and and I even drafted him last year or the year before that. And the second I dropped, I just knew he was going to go crazy. I knew and. He hit, you know, I woke up this morning and I knew it was a bad sign when I opened up Twitter first before I checked the box score and there was many, many mentions. I was like, fuck. Obviously, Miguel Cabrera went off because I was bitching about that exact thing before it happened. And I don't know that it's going to be, you know, I don't know if this is a one-time thing or it'll just be some, you know, it'll be a, a moderately bad thing. He has a decent year or whatever. But it's one of those things that, like, every day, if he goes off, if he becomes like Miguel Cabrera four years ago, I'm going to wake up to the box score and just have, like, a kick in the nuts every single morning. And it's just, it's going to be torture, man. So I'm just hoping that this was sort of a last gasp, like when Jeter got his 3,000th hit or something, just, you know, something that, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it's possible full-time DH helps him. But, um, yeah, I... I write the closing time on Tuesday night, and I didn't even think it was that important of a, of a situation to address. If you're dropping him in a 15-team league, I mean, how much is, uh, is Miguel Cabrera of importance right now? But you're right. I guess he could turn it on, and I'm certainly rooting for it at this stage. Certainly rooting for it just, just for your, you know, to, to, to see you get frustrated about it. That's the only reason. But um, I, I think it probably is just a one-night thing, and it happens to be funny timing for you. Yeah, I hope. That would be the best-case scenario where it was like, yeah, it's good that I got rid of him. I probably I, would, you know, I wouldn't even use him this week, so I'd be just as pissed that he's on my bench. But um, that, but it's also pathetic that the guy I picked up in his stead is Albert Pujols. You know, that's yeah. like one flat tire for another. Oh, Pujols is going to get a. Oh no, it wasn't Miguel Cabrera that was going to have a resurgence in 2019. It was Albert Pujols. You know, it was. I just yeah. had the wrong no, all time great. Yeah, that is pretty funny. I mean, slugging 384 even after that homer, it's just so brutal. And and that, I mean, it makes sense that he's been playing hurt all along right now. Is that really what, what was the case here? Well, you no, said, was, you know, he's healthy now. I mean, maybe he just wasn't. No, what's annoying about it is that, like, first of all, they never say shit the whole year. Nobody reports on it. He never says anything. Okay, nobody reports on it in between. I mean, the reporters are just fucking asleep at the switch. They're like, oh, 
these papers will probably fold in a couple of years, so who cares? But they don't realize, like, if maybe they do, but they were asleep at the switch and they don't care because the Tigers are so bad. But if you actually have reporting skills and knowledge about a specific thing like the Tigers, that is highly valued by people around the country playing fantasy, people who, you know, want information. If you're somebody who has sources and access, uh, you have a lot of value. Even if the newspaper eventually collapses, there's going to be guys that still have contacts and can report, you know, maybe be a different model than it was, but. Right. Now I know it's frustrating for you here at this specific, uh, you know, the weekend and that, but I just meant this season his, maybe it isn't just age. Maybe yes. Once again, he was playing through a debilitating injury. He was, but the annoying thing is I think the reality of why they got a second opinion on all this shit, this is just my guess because nobody's fucking reported shit about it is that his ego was such that he still believed he wanted to play first base and should be playing first base. And the doctors, the second opinion was like, no, 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 you got to go in DH. Your knee's not going to hold up. That's what's causing inflammation. This, you know, this movement at first base is making you unable to play. So you got a DH. And then that's what he should have been doing all along. And now he's going to full-time DH. He's not going to have knee problems. And now he's going to, or his knee problems will subside. The inflammation will go down. And then he's going to get his legs into his swing because he was still like, bat speed coordination he was getting he was hitting 285 or whatever it's not like he was unable to swing the bat or like you know he wasn't like striking out a ton or something so as soon as he gets his legs under him he's going to start hitting for power again that's my fear is that the whole fucking time the solution was obvious they should just dh like nelson cruz or david ortiz or somebody who just that's what they do now but because he's this dude who's been a hall of fame level player his whole career he's just not used to be being told you you got to go do this they had to like sort of work work their way into it and like just show that he couldn't do it so i think he really might rake the rest of the way and three homers uh this season's at like minus 10 in oh, the past i mean it's just it's horrible it's, it's jeff negative. and i were talking about this and if you look at the leaders like bellinger i mean uh Yelich has 22 and bellinger has 20 but there's like 15 no there's 29 guys with at least 15 jeff counted that's 15 crazy. means pace for 40. There's 29 players on pace for 40. And there's tons more. Wow. 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. Pace for 30. There's tons more. So, like, it's not just like there's a few guys with, you know, on pace for 65 home runs, 70 home runs, and they'll fall off to 58 or whatever by the end of the year. And then, like, you know, a big drop-off. It's the, this is the highest home run year on pace in, by far, ever, but it's not just a few guys. It's not like Maguire, Sosa, Bonds. This is evenly, it's like distributed deep. And so what that means is it's not so much do you have Yelich. I mean, of course it helps, or Bellinger. Of course, like the batting average and RBIs and runs are great too. But for home runs, it's not do you have one of those guys. It's do you have a Miguel Cabrera? That's really the, that's really the key thing. Because as long as you have Fran Mill Rays or Hunter Renfro or a million other fucking random guys, Jorge Soler, Jay Bruce, Edwin Encarnacion, anybody, you're going to have plenty of home runs. You just can't have a guy at first base who has two home runs or three home runs. Now. Yeah, I was going to you know, I was gonna say, especially first base and not contributing steals. Yeah, just the total killer. So what do you make of this? So the, in May, MLB set a, a record for the most homers in any month ever. And then um, you see Derek Cardi made a tweet yesterday saying that, yes, home run rate is way up this year but it's very down the last week. Um, people made fun of him, small sample size, but you know, he said in terms of league-wide home run percentage, uh, that's a big sample for, for a week. So 
I guess there was always this concern that they might run out of juiced balls. I heard that, right. but I kind of kind of just wrote it off like, okay, it could happen at any moment, I guess. What, what do you make of that? Uh, you're right. It could happen at any moment. I don't know what the methodology is to measure. You know, it could have been certain pitchers were pitching or certain parks everybody was playing at. You know, like they were playing at pitchers' parks and a lot of the hitters' parks. Maybe they were um, not at or it was unseasonably cold or a couple places, but yeah. Yeah, he even, me- he even measured weather neutral for whatever that means. I don't okay. know how precise it is, but he did weather neutral. Right. So, so I yeah, mean, who knows? Who knows? But interesting. I assume Cardi did his due diligence and made the adjustments because right. that's what he does. Exactly. It's just, I've, I've talked about it, it's just like the stock market. Like the stock market's fake now. The Fed is just manipulating it. So it's like, you think, oh, well, you know, what's the market going to do? What's, you know, there's going to be tariffs that's going to drive it down, but, but the Fed will just lower interest rates. Like the stock market has to be growing. It just has to be until they just run out of tools and they have no leverage anymore and the thing just collapses. But we're so attuned. We can't just pick a stock. We have to be aware of the macro environment. It's, it's like, what environment are we in? What, what's the interest rate right now? And what is the Fed going to do? And it's like, it's not a market. It's not like the market's going to find the right rate based on market forces because you have this artificial, centrally planned rate by the Fed. All this money printing that goes into setting what the market looks like, what the macro environment looks like. Baseball's the same thing, right? We, we don't control, nobody controls. It's not like, oh, let's just look who the best players are with the best chance to hit home runs. It's like, wait, no, they're just going to change the ball. And then a whole different set of players is going to be hitting home runs than was just hitting home runs. So... Yeah, it's it's fucked up that like at any moment the the floor could drop out right as you think you're figuring out the season. Yeah, that's super annoying. On the other side of the spectrum, I picked up Miles Straw in every league I could last week, and I enjoyed watching him run so far. Um, I want to ask you more in a macro level about the starting pitchers, where you stand now, because where I stand is maybe it's just been an especially good year or whatever. Happened to be the year in which I, I punted the starters the first 15 rounds in most drafts, but right now I find myself. In many leagues, daily transaction, the couple, uh, the, the Framber Valdezes of the world out there, you know, decent, okay prospect, great situation on the Astros. I have so many pitchers, I don't need them. I still feel like starting pitchers, really the depth was there in the tiers in which I, I, I expected. Um, that's just the latest example, the Valdez, whatever. I just wanted to bring that up to you because I took a mental note thinking, man, I have most of my teams, it's not the starting pitchers that I need right now. And that's the, that, that's the you know, the the position in which I didn't even address in the draft. So do you not feel that same way? So my pitching has been really strong too. And the hitting has been weak also, but you and I had exactly opposite drafts. So I drafted a lot of high end pitchers and it, we got to the same place, which means you were very good at drafting low end pitchers and very bad at drafting hitters is what happened this year for you. I don't know why that is, but it just happened to be because in the league we're in, I think I'm in fourth place. Now you might be in, fifth or something it's pretty close i've got verlander who's probably the best pitcher <laughs> the number one pitcher right or something like that fantasy wise you know i have soroka and i have rich hill's been really good lately and, and a bunch of other guys but my hitting sucks it, you know it's mediocre at best but like i drafted those pitchers you know i i spent spent up for some of those guys i even drafted severino in the third in that league and haven't had him yet i haven't gotten to use him yet so i don't know it's weird. There, there are, but the, to your point, there's a lot of guys who were cheap, a lot of Frankie Montases and Caleb Smiths and Matthew Boyds that are doing really well. And so it's, I guess it's been possible to, to do your strategy this year. 
Yeah, interesting. This is something I noted. Just it's like, man, all the waiver wires. I still feel like there's a lot of starters I'd be interested in, but I'm, I just have enough on my team already. So I still don't know what to make of, of closers and how I'm going to address that differently. Um, I'm uh, that league we're in together. I'll just uh, I, I made one of the dumbest moves I've ever made. I'll just I'll, I'll just admit it now. I've noticed uh, pretty bad. I'm in 12 leagues. I have a couple kids. A lot going on. So a lot of excuses. But um, you have this 12 is horrible, kids? but really bad. Uh, no, 12 leagues. Uh, 12 two, leagues. Yeah, sometimes it feels like that too. But uh, anyway, dude, I'm pretty sure I have a dead spot the rest of the year in that in that league uh, against you because I I, I burnt my fab and I, and I had to pick up like a third catcher, <laughs> uh, blah, 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 all this, and uh, McCutcheon out for the season. And I'm pretty sure I do not. I need one of those bat guys to turn into outfield. I just thought of that the other day. And that's pretty, pretty bad, man. That's pretty bad. But oh my God. whatever. So you, so. you burnt all your fab. You have zero dollars. Yeah. And then you pretty lost bad. McCutcheon I, for the year bad. and don't have an yeah. outfielder. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> See, that is what we should have led with. That is yeah. funny. <laughs> Dude. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Pretty that, funny. I mean, like, think, yeah. about, think about yeah. two bets we have, right? We have LeBron James over under yeah. three and a half titles, right? That's for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And that yeah. is a bet that's lasting decades. It was a stupid bet on my part because I have under and I can't win until like he retires six years from now. But, you know, it's still a, a fair bet. And then we have Trout versus Harper, which I've pretty much locked up with Trout. But if Harper oh, yeah. somehow gets into the Hall of Fame, which he still could if he, you know, picks it up a lot, uh, he's got a lot of time yet, then, then it's a wash. Remember, if they both make the Hall of Fame, nobody wins. So... Those were a hundred each. So like those bets that have like spanned almost a decade at this point are the same as your stupid bet against me in that league where you just left a blank spot. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I um I was wondering I wondered if you would have oh, that makes uh, you feel better about the Miguel Cabrera move. I wonder if you would have realized it probably wouldn't have realized you wouldn't have looked at my teams. I probably should have just been quiet, but this way at least I have an excuse. But that's really bad. That's just oh, horrendous. But now terrible. I want to beat you. I want to beat you with a with a dead spot to an out an outfield dead spot. So wow. we have, I have Carlos Correa, Molina <laughs> on my bench. That's a, but, but that's not bad. the last one you're going to have though. I got to look at this. I got to look. I got to pull up this team yeah. right now. You 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 have a dead spot. Okay, that's really bad. But it's like yeah. theoretically possible that you could overcome that, right? And, and and somehow just do such a good job from your other spots. But I, I, I've said this from the very beginning, though. I, I'm very, very lazy when it comes to fab and batting. I need to improve that part of my game. I'm just really, really it's, – it's, and like I said, the 12 leagues, and, and I don't take it nearly serious enough. It's just, it's just a theme with me. I'm out, I'm out of a lot of money. With so, it. look, so, one, of your guys, okay, one of your guys is Eric Thames. He doesn't even play regularly. So that, that's another real problematic guy. DJ LeMayhew, like, he's pretty good, but – you know, well, he'll probably play even when Gregorius yeah. comes back. You know, Nelson Cruz is one of your guys. Yeah. I mean, he was just hurt. Brandon Belt's always hurt. Correa's hurt now. Molina's a, a third catcher. Is a, I guess you could put one of them at utility. That's what I had to do. I know that Molina getting hurt at the end there. I didn't plan on Holy I just crap. obviously spent it. But, yeah. but even your pitching is going to get in trouble eventually because, you know, I mean, pitching – you, you can't count on those 11 guys yeah. being available. Yeah, so this year. will be sweeter when I still pass you and beat you. Oh my God. No, you're from, toast. From you're a bit in the, the 12 team. This is going to be sweet. I'm going to still beat you with a dead spot since May. That's going to be, it would be, it well, would be, be impressive. You have like Rugnet Odor and Addison Russell is to your starters too. Those guys aren't guaranteed to play all year either. Holy crap. This is a I bad have, team. I have, Car- I have Carlos Correa, a, 
to be clear, coming back, hopefully, and, and Yadier Molina. Like a month. I need Belt to get some outfield in, up from my bench. I need Belt <laughs> to get outfield eligible. This is honestly, this is the most, this is the funniest error I've ever seen. This is actually like the, the most disastrous. You're right. This is the most disastrous move I've ever seen. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'm just worried about winning the league. I, I, I'm not I, worried about you. Now. I, I, thank you. Thank you for I'm taking pl- that I'm off my plate. Uh, you're welcome. No problem. I'm in plenty of leagues, and as you can see, I took this one extremely seriously. But um, yeah. you really but, uh, had a low opinion of me to, to take it to, to go. Why would you use all your fab in in May I or June? I didn't notice it until it was too late, and I needed the three <laughs> spots. Those last three were replacing Carlos Correa, Yadier Molina, and uh, right. like another one. Those last four, they've all been five like one dollar bids replacing the, the injuries as it's like i got too low or whatever and it's just um whatever I, whatever I was, i'm an idiot what do you want me to tell you i mean that, that's the bottom line there's nothing yeah. new here we're not learning All anything right. new yeah once All again right. the, the answer is i'm an idiot but um i needed to make this pod episode shorter i'm going to this game so let me um are you have anything else to talk about with uh, the baseball side no, other I, don't than, uh, I don't give a for, shit i've already for, talked right? about this shit with jeff a hundred times other than berate me with the with my 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 fab strategy, the yeah. uh, there are zero dollar bids, right? There's zero dollar bids in this league. I'll just say oh, yeah. I thought there was that. Yeah. Um. All right. Want to go over um football real quick? What um I'll throw some some to make it quicker. I'll go throw some some quarterbacks at you. We haven't done okay. any quarterback. All right. Um. So is it is it clearly Mahomes over Watson? Or I think a couple of my colleagues actually did do that switch. Obviously, the three kill uh, being gone would be the, the assumption there. Um, and I, I could see the situation with Watson, how good he was, you know, before the injury. So is that is that still a slam dunk for you? I mean, I think it's it's a legitimate question, right? Like I it, I think that losing Terry Kill and, and just you know he's like Steph Curry, like he just stretches the the defense to a point where it helps everybody. I don't know if that guy, uh, Meek, Meek Hard, Cole Hardman, Hardman right? Hardman, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, he's got like the physical specs of Tyree Kill more or less, but Tyree Kill is just so explosive on the field. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a long shot that he's going to significantly, you know, be anywhere near as good as, as Hill this year. So, yeah, I could see it, but Mahomes is so good. And, the, and Andy Reid is such a good play caller. And his quarterbacks usually do pretty well generally. So, I'd still use. I'd still take Mahomes first. And Mahomes is like the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> like he's he's. I, I mean, obviously you can't say that till he wins a couple Super Bowls. But he's like Aaron Rodgers, two He's like a little bit more mobile, or maybe as mobile as peak Aaron Rodgers was, with a little bit better arm and able to throw it even a few more angles. He's just like Aaron Rodgers. He's just maybe pretty much that kind of QB in his prime. Better lefty arm, even. Um, and then it, I'm, I'm not, I don't have your rankings in front of me, but I'm guessing Luck is, is third. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I got Watson second, Luck third. Luck doesn't run as much. He didn't run as much last year, but you know they got a lot of new weapons. They drafted a receiver in the second round. They got Doyle back. They got Devin Funchess there. You know, there's second year in that offense with Frank Reich. The offensive line is really good. Like they should really good this year. It's just that you really want someone who's going to run a little bit more, and he he really didn't do that much. Okay, now here's the reason I think why it's uh, the smartest to wait on quarterback. Not because it's necessary, well, not only because it's super deep, but also to me, I think this next tier is just a gigantic, you know, to each their own. Like I personally have Mayfield fourth, and I'm guessing you don't have him nearly that that high. So, so do you agree with that? I mean, who's your fourth? I don't even. I don't. Know. I have him fifth, so I have him. I okay. actually okay. do have him nice. nearly that high, and I. It's not like I would fight you on Aaron Rodgers versus Mayfield. I think there's a chance. 
that Rodgers – and when I say Mahomes is like – I think Mahomes is basically peak Aaron Rodgers. I won't say he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I'll say he's peak Aaron Rodgers, which is, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback ever. But Aaron Rodgers might have a couple close to peak years left. And now he's freed from McCarthy. Yeah, new coach. Such yeah. a uh, – yeah. you know, we'll see if any of those receivers can do anything. But it's just going to be a whole different world. I mean, it might not be. Maybe Rodgers wasn't as good as I thought the last couple of years. But – I think you know, throwing those deep outs all the time, which is just low. It's like taking long twos. He was like shooting long twos. And now they just finally like got a real offense in there. So, or potentially a real offense. So I have him four, but I could see Mayfield being ahead of him. I have Rodgers running for more yards than Mayfield. And then Mayfield five and with Beckham. And you don't have to really argue it too much. So those are my top five. And then I have Cam number six. Okay, interesting. So that's the same exact six as I have, but I have Mayfield switch, but I'm totally with you on Rodgers with a different coach could go crazy. I mean, whatever, could finish number one. Um, and then, yeah, for, but do, do you feel strongly about this next group? Or because to me, it's just I put Cam, Russell Wilson, and then even Kyler Murray next just because of the rushing. That, that's where I went there, but I wouldn't argue with anyone once we get into this group. But interesting to hear that you have Cam six too. So I thought it would be more, more different here. But when Cam's, healthy, when Cam's healthy, he's money in the bank fantasy wise. And those uh, they have quiet, quiet playmakers too now, you know, with Curtis Samuel and your boy DJ Moore developing. Um, you know, he he did all that stuff before with very not real, you know, athletic weapons at his disposal like this. So Newton's my six. I have Wilson seven, even though they threw the fewest times in the league last year. He's yeah, just so good. But he and they yeah. drafted all those receivers, so they you know, they may find somebody who's a real gem. But then like I I might take Murray eighth if I were drafting in like a one QB twelve team league. I had to do this by projections because I'm doing projections. So it's sort of like you don't really know the floor. I mean, there's so much hype. But like he might just suck his rookie year. I mean, there's a new, uh, it's a brand new coach, never coached in the NFL before. He's got two rookie receivers, a 36 year old receiver, and a second year guy coming back from an injury, none of whom he's played with. David Johnson, we think is really good, but you know, it's been two years. It's been since 2016 that that guy was good, and they're all just kind of coming together all at once. And if it, and and let's just say like Kyler Murray's human, and it takes him like six weeks before the offense clicks. Like you probably dropped him by then, you know, because you're like this guy, this guy sucks. Someone else will have him. So I, I couldn't put him that high. I have him at 17. But if I were drafting, I'd probably take him at like you know in the top 10, and then just grab a veteran cheaply. Like I have Matt Ryan at eight. Matt Ryan had like 35 TDs, seven interceptions, and like 4,600 yards last year, or like 4,800 yards last year. Something crazy like that. Yeah. Two of the last three years, he's been an absolute monster, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and, and now he's got Calvin Ridley in year two. I mean, it's only getting better. It's not like things have gotten worse. And I got Wentz nine. Just the system's good, and he's finally healthy again. It's a couple of years, and they got to Sean Jackson. Golf 10. I mean, that golf, like, you know, when, when that offense is rolling, it's just easy. And Daryl Henderson is going to go nuts. That's the other thing. He's going to have an easy uh, pitch and catch. <laughs> you and I got Prescott 11. Prescott was really good after uh, after Amari Cooper got there. And Zeke's catching passes Darryl, now. Hey, Daryl Henderson and I moved him to 24th. Right now, Daryl Henderson 24th, Todd Gurley 18th on my running back rankings. I wasn't that aggressive, but I may do it. I, I've, I have Daryl Henderson 28th. And then I have Gurley at 12. So I haven't squashed them together that far. But, you know, I mean, there, there's, a ch- I mean there's a good chance that Gurley's just 240 carries instead of 280, 40 catches instead of 60, and then Henderson gets all the rest. 
It's funny. I heard you say, I think on XM, say you draw the line at Leonard Fournette. And I literally, that's exactly where my rankings change too with Gurley. It goes from Gurley to Fournette. Clearly, I just have a few other other guys like Devonta Freeman, Marlon Mack, and Aaron Jones. I have those guys ahead of them, which I'm guessing. I, I have Aaron don't. Jones ahead of uh, Fournette, but not ahead of Gurley. Okay, cool. Um, where were we at? The yeah, I mean, where we're at the oh yeah, Matt Ryan's pretty good. So what about Lamar Jackson? Where where where's he fit with these? So with I know. Like and the other too. guy I would ask you about is why is before we get to Lamar Jackson actually why is Drew Brees? I, if I remember right, you had him lower. Why is he any different than the Jared Goff, uh, Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger, attempts, that crew? Attempts. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Did, did you see you how many attempts he had last though. year? Yeah. 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 Right. And you can you think that's going to continue that, that? That I mean, it's and, been a couple of years now. Yeah, that's their style of play now. He's super efficient. Okay. He throws touchdowns, but he's got. I mean, he actually gets sneaks too, which which makes him a little extra valuable. But I don't know if you can count on those sneaks. He had 489 attempts last year. And he doesn't get any rushing yards. So, I don't know, man. That seems like... I gave him two rushing touchdowns because he gets two a year, except last year he had four randomly. It's just he doesn't get rushing or passing volume anymore. Even the year before. Yeah, no, so no, he no. used to be the most prolific guy every year. This is his attempts from 2010. 658, 657, 670, 650, 659, 627, 673. Then starting 2017 when the Saints defense became good and they actually could have made or won a couple Super Bowls, but for the most ridiculous plays in NFL history. First, that Diggs touchdown, which is just ridiculous when the game was over. Yep. And then that non-call yep. in the PI sends them yep. to the Super Bowl. Maybe they win. So this is like two yep. Super Bowl winning teams. And he had 536 in 2017, which is about average. And they had 489 last year. I mean, they don't, well, yeah. I was in 15 games. But 15 they're not, games, exactly. they don't throw, you know, they're not like, they're not like really a pass first team anymore. Yeah, and he's getting up there in age. I could just see a lot of young guys, maybe like the Traquan Smith, Kirk, Kirkwood breakout, and no Mark Ingram there. But yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's a two-year trend. They've been winning. I could see the defense take a further step back. But um, those are fair arguments. Who do I have? The, the guy I think you could knock down, a couple of guys that you could take Breeze ahead of, or Derek Carr. I just have him with so many more attempts. Gruden's going to throw a lot. And the Raiders' defense is going to be abominable. So oh. they're going to throw a lot. That was someone you have higher than I expected was Dak Prescott. Really, uh, you, I don't know. I guess with the, with, with Cooper and uh, I guess Gallup could emerge. That that's actually surprises me that you have him as a top fifteen guy. Well, look at what Prescott did after Cooper arrived last year. He got he was just he was good every week. And then how many touchdowns do you think Pres- Prescott has got last year rushing? Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh, uh, four. Six. How many did he get in 2017? Uh, I have them open now. I see. Sorry. I see, I see him open now. Yeah. He's got six every year of his career. It's pretty good. Yeah. I only gave him five this year, regressed him a bit, gave him, you know, roughly the same amount of yards, but 
you get five rushing touchdowns. That's seven and a half passing touchdowns. And you get 22 passing touchdowns he had last year, which is low. That's 30 touchdowns. But I'm giving him 26 because that 22 counted the first half of last year where he had no receivers. Yeah, that's fair. I, that team's just so centered around Zeke. But um, that's but interesting. One. Caught, that one jumped out to me. Zeke caught 77 passes in 15 games. Like he, he's a, He had 522 receiving yards. Sorry, I projected him for 522 receiving yards. Probably had more than that last year. Yeah, 567 last year. All right, so any thoughts on Roethlisberger, Rivers, or Brady, the older guys? Yeah, Brady just one spot ahead of Breeze, pretty low, um, 22nd. You know, he doesn't run at all. And Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman are his weapon. I mean, who's, you know, who's the tight end now? Matt, Matt Lacoste or something is his tight yeah. end? Yeah, yeah. Weird thing with, with ASJ. And then, you know, it's like all the old guys, like Philip Rivers is 21. Like they, they didn't throw that much last year. He's got good weapons, but zero running. Philip Rivers does not run at all. I got Josh Allen at 19. I mean, Josh Allen was such a monster running. If he could even pass a little bit, he could be good. Big time. Yeah, I think it was the number one fantasy QB of the final six weeks. But um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't count on that. Repeating, where is Winston, if I miss that? 14. Uh, Winston it could be a monster. It's just, you know, there's so little difference between like Goff, Prescott, Trubisky, Roethlisberger, Winston. Right. And then I got Lamar I Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, Garoppolo, your guy, 18. Lamar Jackson, I'm going to have some shares of him. He's going to be a monster. I mean, not he's going to be. He just could be. I think the strategy in a one QB league is just to take Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray in the top yeah. 10 and then just get like Rivers or somebody later just in case. They're changing their whole offense about Lamar Jackson. I probably have him ranked too aggressively. Where do you have him? 15. Yeah, I have him 11. That's probably too high. He could be He could be benched. He could be bad. Floor is so bad with Lamar Jackson. Well, the, the thing is like I actually – my rankings are more wrong than yours. I, I actually, I, I would like the problem is there's all kinds of leagues, two QB leagues, six points per touchdown league. So you just do the projection and then they, in a, in a standard league, they end up ranking where they do. And I'll juice them a little bit, but in a standard 12 team league with four points per passing touchdown and you know, six points for rushing and a point every 10 rushing and a point every 20 passing, I'm actually going to draft Lamar Jackson, like in the top 10 ish. And same with uh, Kyler Murray. I'm just going to draft him there. Right. Right, because even though the floor is shit, I mean, the floor is not your problem in a league like that. You'll just pick up Andy Dalton when they're facing some shit defense, or you'll pick up Matthew Stafford against a bat. You know, you'll pick up whoever. You know, it doesn't matter. It's it's quarterback. But if those guys, the floor doesn't matter. So like, if you're only looking at ceiling, then obviously, you know, those guys could be top three. Um, what about Mitch Trubisky? Where do you have him? I'm at 12 because... Oh, man, I was just reading a PFF article that just has me so... He's so bad, he confirmed my, my eye test. That's pretty yeah. aggressive, man. That could be a big, rude awakening in Chicago. That team had a ton of injury luck. One of those teams that came out of nowhere defensively for the top like that. That And Trubisky, they, they relied on opening drives to score touchdowns. That team just... It's almost too obvious, the regression for me there. That's, you're going to regret that 12 is way too high. <laughs> Well, here's what I, I hated him last year. I thought he was just terrible. But what I would say is that he always he was putting up stats. Good coaching. Good and, coaching. And yeah, the, co- the, the offense is great. And they've got all these like gadget guys and short pass catchers who, 
you know, take an easy pass and make a guy miss and go 50 yards. The Taylor Gabriels, the Tariq Cohens, Allen Robinson's back there in the second year. Trey Burton's back. You know, they've just got a pretty, de- you know, Anthony Miller was barely, you know, he's playing through a shoulder injury. He looked pretty good, and now he should be healthy. Like, they're just kind of loaded and creative. And I think, like, he's going to get the cheap ones. And then he's, a, you could say what you want about his passing skills. I agree with that. But he's a really good scrambler. Like, he's a better scrambler than, like, Luck Rogers. He's, like, he's, he's as good as Russell Wilson, like, pretty much as a scrambler. So he's going to get a lot of a lot of points on the ground, too. So I, I like him for fantasy. But, yeah, he's a pretty bad real-life quarterback. But, man, really, at this stage, it's almost becoming, even though the majority of my leagues aren't, it's almost got to be coming to the point where it's mandatory for super flex, right? It's going to be like Bush league, not to play in leagues like that. It's yeah, it's, this, it's too many, too many quarterbacks, man. It does not work. Otherwise, I, I agree. Opinion. And then it changes. Then you're, that's why my projections are what they are. Cause then floor matters in a, in a super flex, right? That's why sure. I have to put, you know, some of these guys higher than I would. And some of these guys lower than I would. Like yeah, in a super flex. Yeah. I love Dak Prescott. It's like Dak Prescott runs, yeah. scores rushing touchdowns. And is locked into that job. Like he's, he's a rock. Like he's fine. He's been incredibly durable too. He's not having any preexisting problems. Jared Goff. That's a good super flex pick. Matt Ryan. Yeah. Great super flex pick. Kyler Murray. Not quite as good. Now he can win you the league, but you know, you're who knows? As I said, like it might be five games before that guy's even good. Totally. That's why I really think mostly should uh, should go there. Do you have any any other guys you want to talk about that jump out sleepers or guys that you like less than than? Well, I don't know. You probably don't look at ADP or anything, but anyone you wanted to, to talk about specifically? Yeah, I want to talk about Daniel Jones. There was uh, you know, there's I yeah. saw these like <laughs> NFL beat writers, you know, the Twitter yeah. account, and one of them said like Daniel yeah, Jones I know made two go. good throws in uh, practice today, and I was like. A gentleman just destroying fools, dominating fools with that draft pick. So I just think it's so funny how people tweet about like one good play that somebody made in, in the, not even preseason, this is OTAs. It's just like mini camps, you know, right. like, oh, he made two nice throws. I'm like, yeah, Daniel Jones is the man. I no just bad. think it's funny. I, I yeah. really hope Daniel Jones is great, not just because I'm a Giants fan, but because it would just be hilarious. It, it just the whole way that people think would be mocked ridiculously if Daniel Jones became like a superstar. Gettleman's playing chess, rest of us playing checkers for <laughs> that's sure. That's right. He's playing like eight dimensional that chess. Good. That's right. That would be great. Um, all right. That's all the football I got for you. Did you see the Anthony Josh? A couple upsets happened with your last talk. See Anthony Joshua get knocked out by a dude named Andy Ruiz. I saw a clip of it and that dude is so flabby. Like how can that guy be a professional? How's that even? I, I guess a guy like that could hit you hard. I mean, being fat doesn't make you you could be very strong. As always when you were like a, a little kid, like when you're 10 or eight, the fat kid was usually the strongest kid. But I don't know, man. I just, I don't get that. Yeah, Joshua was undefeated but had not fought in the States until Saturday night. Ruiz just took the fight like a month ago, knocked him out, knocked him down four times. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't Buster Douglas type upset, but a pretty big upset. Looking, for, I'll check out the rematch um, on that one. I believe he already exercised his claws in that. The other upset... My boy in Jeopardy finally lost, and uh, very frustratingly on the episode, he would have broke Ken Jennings' overall record if he had just kept his normal average pace. Um, lost to a 27-year-old librarian. Uh, he didn't miss a single question in the final show, just didn't get the, the daily doubles. But uh, one thing that was kind of funny, I was reading a, uh, a USA Today column about people, conspiracy theories, because he made an odd bet at the end. He entered the, the, the last final Jeopardy behind 
So his bet didn't make sense to some people because he was worried about the third person catching up. But uh, it made sense to people who follow Jeopardy. But I came across uh, our boy Kevin Payne, USA Today article, used a tweet about him as I was randomly coming across uh, reading the article. I thought I I laughed at that for a couple reasons. One, it's Payne talking talking Jeopardy uh, conspiracy. And I sent it to him and he didn't even know. And two, what are your thoughts? I haven't seen CNN doing this, using like random Twitters as sources. Do you have a thought on that in general? Okay, so first off, obviously, I got to talk to Steve Gardner, who writes for USA Today, that their standards are, are cratered if, if Kevin Payne is being cited <laughs> as a source. Like, that is, that's, that's preposterous. Secondly, you know, Rufus Peabody and Jeff Ma had, uh, what's yes, his name? Yes, I have that on my, yeah, yep, I forget it's called Yeah, I listened, I listened to it. It was good. It yeah. was good. Is it worth yeah, listening to? Since I actually have that. Yeah, bet the process. I have that on yeah, my, uh, they, they actually interviewed that guy because he's a professional sports yeah. better and he knows who Rufus is. In fact, he, like, knows that Rufus is the man with, with sports betting. So that's, right, that's worth right. listening to. But yeah, well, you see, I actually think that's, you know, I have zero respect for CNN, but, you know, they used to like have quote, you know, you used to have like a quote in the paper, like Brexit, people aren't sure what's going to happen. And they would like quote some random dude on the street that they interviewed and he'd be like, I'm just trying to get through day to day. We have no idea what, you know, they, we just like quote some guy in a story, right? You see that all the time. Like there's a quote of a random uh-huh. guy, so-and-so who's a, steel worker in this district, you know, thinks this, you know, and they'll put a quote. Right. Well, Twitter just cut out the middleman, right? Like why even go on the street? You just pick something. Now it's a little worse. Cause like, at least like the reporter was able to observe the guy in the street, whether he's joking or serious or, you know, who he was, was he a legitimate guy? Or was he wearing a clown suit? You don't know on Twitter, like what, what you're getting. So it's a little bit less reliable, but that makes a lot opinion, of sense. I guess I, I didn't realize they did that. I guess and maybe it just didn't jump out to me or or or, or distract me as, as the same. Because I, I that's a totally unobvious logical replacement. I guess I didn't realize that they did have random quotes from Joe. You've Schmitt. never seen that in a newspaper article about something when they like just interview some guy locally yeah. who's like apparently yeah, you're affected right. by no. it. Yeah, I guess all... you think they do that in in a CNN article. You think they still do that or at a local newspaper? Certainly, like, even like New York Times, they would do it. Okay, all right. John then, then that's so and so from Bleecker Street. On the gentrification, well, it's raised rents in his neighborhood. Well, you know, we've lived here for this long. You know, they'll, they'll have quotes about that. And, and CNN is a cesspool, obviously. And it's, think what you want about Trump. Right? Dislike him all you want. I'm not going to quarrel with you. But, I mean, he's right about a lot of the shit he says about the news. They, they just blatantly, the, 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 the news media feels like if somebody's sufficiently disliked by their colleagues and their peers and their target audience that it's okay to lie about what they say or deliberately take things out of context. Like you understand like political candidates do that about each other. I remember when like two candidates would be running against each other when I was younger and they would say, he says, blah, 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 blah. And you'd see that he said that, but like that was totally out of context. And you'd be like, that's such bullshit. Why would they, you know, they're lying. Like it's not what the guy meant, but it's like, well, that's like an opposing political candidate. So they're just, it's shady, but it's politics. But like now journalists do that. So if a journalist is on one team, they'll totally quote something that Trump or some Republican did out of context, or even just some other journalist that they don't like because he's on team evil. They'll just quote, they'll just make up basically a lie about the guy. And they don't care if it's wrong or if it's refuted by the full transcript because so what? It's for the good that this guy's a bad guy. I can say whatever I want about him. And that's journalism's just totally devolved. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but, but I, I guess my point is that Twitter for me, is where the real news kind of is. Like most of the reporters are just agenda-driven, paid, you know, they're working for an organization that's owned by a corporation that has particular interests. And if you don't align with those interests, you don't get promoted to the point where anybody would ever see your stuff. And so they self-select. And 
other select for a certain type of guy. Whereas on Twitter, I can select my own type of guy and I can sort of truth test their predictions and what they're talking about. And, you know, over time, like the guys who say stuff that turns out to be true, when you find out the truth, those are the guys you can trust. And so I feel like Twitter is where the trust where the information comes. It takes a little bit of curation and a little bit of uh, rigor in terms of, you know, grading the people that you're, you're following and, and then realizing you got duped a couple of times. But I kind of think that's the, that's the future, man. No, that makes sense. And it's certainly equivalent to the, uh, the local newspaper quote for sure. And if, Hey, in this specific case, if it means me coming across more Kevin Payne tweets, Kevin uh, Payne, yeah. yelling on the yelling uh, conspiracy theories on the internet, then I'm all for it. So uh, I thought that was funny. And the I, every I man, he, he didn't even, he's the he every man crazy man. <laughs> he didn't even know he, he, he was in it, but, uh, but now he's famous. But, uh, anyway, I thought that was funny and, and sad. My guy didn't break the record in jeopardy, but, uh, I think they do a tournament of champions. So I'll, uh, I'll check that out. But, um, do you have any, uh, anything else to listen, anything political? Um, all I'll leave you with is uh, I, saw, I saw this movie called The Perfection. It's on um, Netflix. It's uh, not something I'm recommending, but I will say it does uh, have one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen ever, and it involves a, a cello playing scene. Uh, if you're looking for an entertaining 90 minutes, uh, Google it before you check it out. But uh, yeah, The Perfection on Netflix. I may duck, duck, go it. I'll, I'll say one thing. And maybe this is just a phase I'm in, and maybe I'll snap out of it. But, well, two things, actually. So one idea I had, and this is just something to throw this out there. A lot of people don't like Trump uh, because they disagree with his policies. I put myself in that category. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the things he's doing. Uh, mostly because I don't agree with, like, you know, what any of the presidents do with, you know, starting wars and bombing people and printing money to sort of give socialism to the rich. So, like, I don't agree with a lot of his policies. But then another category of people just hate the guy. Like, it's not about policy. They just cannot stand Donald Trump. And I just had a theory. I don't know if it's true entirely, but it just occurred to me that to the extent that you just hate Donald Trump for who he is, not what he does, should, in my opinion, is probably in direct proportion to the extent to which you are still in the matrix, so to speak. In other words, if you still think society basically is has got it's got its problems but it's functioning and reasonable and reasonably good place at least before trump came along then you are going to hate the fact that this clown character with no qualifications who talks shit all the time misspells stuff on twitter is in charge of the most powerful country in the history of the world like that is really going to bother you are going to fucking hate that but if you're already out of the matrix where you see the suits and the Obama administration and Obama and the Clintons and the Bushes and everybody else as totally fucked up, totally up to no good, pursuing agendas that are good for very few people and that you don't trust the medical establishment, you don't trust the financial establishment, you certainly don't trust corporate food, the FDA, any of that shit, then you're like, eh, I wish you would in... Uh, print money for the rich, but you don't give it, you don't, it's not jarring to your sense of reality. I think these people, I think Trump sort of is in some ways forcibly pulling people out of the matrix before they're ready. They don't want to see how ridiculous the situation is. They were holding on to like some semblance of sanity and this shit has just broken their brains. They cannot take it. So that's one theory. I like it. No, Same thing I, I, I was like, going to say in response to the, uh, you know, this Netflix or that Netflix, I find myself watching a lot less TV. I watch the end of Game of Thrones. 
that's pretty much it. I haven't watched anything since then. And I started going to the gym, and this is, I've been a bit fanatical about it. I don't know why, really. I just want to uh, get in really good health. And I've been going to the saunas, and, and I've been just like trying to learn Portuguese. I, I still kill some time. I do these stupid sparkle trivia quizzes for baseball all the time. I don't know why that's the thing I choose. I mean, I don't spend that much time doing it, but maybe 20 minutes a day. But I've just found myself killing less time. Like, I'm always like doing something that I think is like good for me or something I want to do. And I almost feel like part of the matrix, and there's nothing wrong. I, I like watching TV and whatever, drinking beers or whatever. And I, I'm certainly going to do some of that this weekend. But part of the bill of goods we've been sold besides like believing in all this shit is like kind of how we just, <laughs> when we have leisure time, we just totally check out in some sort of entertainment where we can like just pass the time rather than like creating something or, uh, doing something for our long-term health or uh, well-being. So I'll just put that out there as a possibility that maybe when, if, and maybe I'm just full of shit, so who knows? Maybe I'm even, this is another aspect of the matrix in which I'm even further trapped. Maybe there is no matrix. Maybe I'm just paranoid. But to the extent that, that we can at least concede those premises, I almost think, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm less interested in like, in just checking out what's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, first off, I apologize for saying Google and not DuckDuckGo. How dare Thank I? You. And you. secondly, yeah, I like that theory, though. If you knew it was messed up all along, you're living outside the matrix. Um, let me ask you, though, when, when you are working out, uh, are you listening to music? You're listening to podcasts, listening to books on tape? Are you doing are you meditating? How does that go as far as entertainment while so, you're working out? I follow like Nassim Taleb and I follow this guy, P.D. Mangan, and they're all talking about deadlifting. And so I started trying to do these deadlifts. I'm doing a lot less weight than I could because I find that putting down the weight is kind of hard on your back. Like putting, put, pulling sure. it up is like this explosive movement that you can do. I feel like I do pretty heavy, but putting it down without just dropping it kind of takes more slow. You know, you're going to be slow. And like I felt it in my back a tiny bit, but I'm, I'm not using heavy weights. So I'm doing that. And then what I do besides a couple of machines real quick is I get on the bike and I've been doing like serious work on the bike, but because the French opens on, which I've been enjoying and I have headphones on and I'm listening to it in Portuguese. So I'm getting a workout. I don't think riding the stationary bikes is that valuable, but it does definitely get you work up a sweat. I'm riding the bike, working out and I'm watching the French open, which I, which I enjoy. And I'm learning Portuguese because it's in Portuguese. So I'm killing like three birds with, you know, one stone. Right. And then I'm going to the sauna afterward. I usually have it to myself. So, you know, there's no, no one goes in there except me. And if anyone comes in, they come in for like two minutes. I go in there for like 25 minutes and I'm just like getting all the toxins out. And then I go in the shower and I just put it on all cold after the sauna for like five minutes of just pure cold. And it actually is, it feels good because your, your body's so overheated from the sauna that you don't really, and apparently that's good for you. So I'm just in this crazy routine of things that are making me have more energy and, and feel better and hopefully at least so I can win that hundred bucks off you more uh, longevity. <laughs> you won't get an argument from me here. And as far as TV goes, uh, it's been a down year for, uh, in my opinion. So you're certainly not missing anything that I cons would consider a, a must watch. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Health, health is, health is the most important thing. So I'm, I'm for it. All, yeah. Other than the, the, the bet, other than that. Right. I, I need right. the money because I'm going to, we've already established that I've lost uh, a bet. You've lost that hundred at least. So, so, we have some other yeah, bets going, so, but all right, man. So uh, wish me luck. You got through this episode without All me right. talking too, many, too much Warriors. They're injured. It's going to be miserable. The amount of money I spent on tonight's game to be sitting there watching a MASH unit play and lose. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, good times. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk next week, Liz. 
All right, man. Take it easy. Good luck.